My name is David Hernandez, and you're listening to As the Pokeball Turns. Welcome to As the Pokeball Turns. Our journey takes us to El Paso, Texas, where we are introduced to a self-made artist and business owner who created art inspired by our hometown of El Paso and fused it with the world of Pokemon. In her opinion, art is a connection with the community and a personal escape from life. From drawing on walls when she was a young child to creating her own Pokemon coloring book showcasing Pokemon around popular landmarks in El Paso to even creating giant wall murals in local stores that would become Pokestops in Pokemon Go. In this episode, where art and the world of Pokemon collide, here is her origin story into the world of Pokemon. This is B.E. Art. Today, I'm joined by an artist who fuses Pokemon with her hometown of El Paso through her art. Blanca, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. Definitely, and I'm happy to have you on the show. And before we dive into this interview, I do want to give you a big congratulations because I believe 2023 has been a big year for you because you've won the Best of El Paso Visual Artist. You were one on the front cover of El Paso Times, and you even got to meet Selena's Quintanilla's sister. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. You did your homework. I love it. Well, one of my questions I want to ask is like, I shared just those experiences. Obviously, it's not the entire book, right? It's just the highlights and not, probably not even all the highlights. But what does it mean to you to just experience all that and to win those awards and to be featured like that? I'm, I'm really living a dream right now. I cannot believe how my life has changed. It just really brings me hope and happiness that it can continue for a long time. I love speaking to other artists that have been doing this for many years. I've only been doing it full time for a year and a half, but I, I did prepare before that. And I had been doing it before that, but it was part time. I can't believe the growth I've had in just over a year and a half. I am completely in love with what I'm doing right now, and I hope it doesn't stop. You originally were a teacher for a couple of years, right? And you were doing the art style on the side. So I was a math teacher. That's what throws people off, right? I wasn't actually teaching art. I was teaching math at a high school that is near the border. So it really was like teaching English too, because it's it, everybody's bilingual. I taught for six years and I was doing that at the same time as the art business. When you were a teacher, did you just feel like it wasn't the right fit? Like, I know you probably enjoyed teaching, but did you feel like maybe you were called for something more like you're doing now? No. So I actually, I started drawing when I was four years old and it's always just been my go-to. It's a normal thing I do every day, just like washing dishes. I compare it to a lot of kitchen stuff, but I hate cooking. So I, <laughs> cooking, <laughs> I will go and make a painting and feel accomplished. So it's always been like a natural thing for me to paint and draw. I tried several things. I tried being a tattoo artist when I was younger. I tried fashion designing. I tried airbrushing cars. I tried a lot of things and I was always used to having a part-time job on the side. And when I became a teacher, I actually was really good at it, but my business started growing more and more. I had to choose one or the other at one point. Were there doubts when you decided to make the jump from teaching to becoming a full-time artist? 
Yes. So I was a really good math teacher. I became really good at connecting with my students. And I think that that became a problem for me. After 2020 is when I really started having issues. Like I used to love teaching, but after 2020, things changed a little bit. I just felt like it was a marathon. I felt like I wasn't getting anywhere. I feel like the system changed, the kids changed, and I felt a lot of pain uh, after that of just not being able to help them as much anymore. So I felt like I wasn't making a difference. However, in the art community, I felt like I was making a big difference there where my art became more and more therapeutic for people and they needed that more. I do painting classes. So the painting classes became a way to relax and just get away from it all. So I became a little bit of a comedian too. And I would just entertain people through my painting classes. Just a lot of activities that I started doing to get people to relax and get out of their routine. But yes, you know, it's terrifying (laughs) to not have a fixed income. I had to learn a lot and learn a lot. I joke about this, but you have to learn a lot in the streets about taxes and all that stuff that they don't teach you in school. Also, my husband's very supportive. He's a framer at Michael's and he's always connect with people who were like getting frames done and they would talk about art and he always told them, oh, you should follow my wife. So I think a lot of the opportunities, actually, one of the opportunities, I created three Walmart murals. That was a huge deal. That's the reason why I came out in the El Paso Times, too. The first one, I was asked to design the Walmart mural, and that connection happened because of my husband. So I think it's just been us being very vocal about my art. And I really don't feel like I am the most skillful artist. I, I see a lot of artists out there that studied art. I studied math and I only took a few art classes, but it is definitely, definitely something that was very scary, but learning, you know, that it's part of the process. So definitely I was scared. Let's pivot to your experience with Pokemon real quick. We'll come back to the art. What was your first experience with Pokemon? My mom was really good about buying us whatever we wanted when we were little. I couldn't go out. I couldn't talk on the phone. She was very strict, but she would buy us what we wanted. And it was just me and my brother. And so he always wanted Pokemon cards. And so I would get Pokemon cards too. And we each had our binder with Pokemon cards. I was always interested in Pokemon. And then when I grew older, you know, and we had our smartphones and Pokemon Go came out, I did play. (laughs) And it's been one of those things where I feel like I'm getting addicted. So I remove it and then I put it back later. (laughs) Getting addicted again. So it's been on and off. But I loved watching the anime too. Recently, I've been getting more and more into anime again. But yeah, Pokemon's always been a great part. And then later, right, I find out later when I'm in my 20s that these Pokemon cards we used to have were worth something. And I'm like, are you kidding? Those are worth collectibles. But yeah, I don't know what happened to my Pokemon cards, unfortunately. But it's always been a huge part of my life. And then I have a a little brother now. He's 14. And he's all into Pokemon, too. So it's fun to tell him, like, yeah, I used to play that, too. It's funny how kids, especially in schools, think that you don't know. You know, like, look at this new game. It's called Zelda. And you're like, yeah, I used to play it when I was young. Right. They think it didn't exist when you were young. Yes. When you were younger, you said you collected the cards with your brother. Did y'all try to play the games as well? Or is it just mostly card collecting that y'all did? It was mostly card collecting, to be honest. I was born in Mexico, so we used to play other things like tassels and weird stuff, el trompo, stuff that were Mm -hmm. very Mexican. So no, I don't remember playing the card game. I just remember it was fun to collect the cards, to look at them and trade them. Do you have a favorite Pokemon at all? I do change my answer all the time. But right now, Psyduck really tickles me, and so does Jigglypuff. That's because I've been watching the show again. 
I watched this show as I painted these Pokemon, and those were my favorite to look at. But I always change my answer. I used to be a huge fan of Mew, and so I don't know. I don't know what to say, Psyduck, right now. I'll ask you at the end of the interview and see if it changes between now and then. Right? (laughs) (laughs) It probably will. So you play Pokemon Go. When did you first start playing that game? When it first came out, because it's been a while. We go to UTEP a few times. UTEP is our university here, and it's like the center of it all. So it's really cool to watch everybody playing like zombies. And then you look up and you realize you're all there. So that that was my favorite place to go. But I used to play it all over. I would drive all over town. It's funny how I used to be scared of driving. And then I would drive there to the gym or or whatever. And then I realized like, oh, I guess I don't mind driving for this game. You know, (laughs) but I know it's so bad, though, to say that. So (laughs) so I stopped playing, too, because I was like, no, this, this is not right. So, like, would you try and drive and play Pokemon Go a lot? Yes. Okay, I used to do as well. You're not the only one here. And then you know how I used to, like, say, like, you're driving, you're going too fast or whatever, and you get annoyed because you can't slow down at that point. And I don't know, I think I finally realized, like, I need to stop doing this. (laughs) So You've been listening to As the Pokeball Turns. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. You've seen the Murkrow, and Murkrow is basically my first real drawing of a Pokemon. Well, I take that back. In the early days of Pokemon Go, there were a Facebook group. If you found a rare catch, you would call it in, tell the group that this was something here. And so often people would take a picture, a screenshot of where this Pokemon was. But I would usually catch the Pokemon and then take the screenshot. I would quickly doodle out like a Dratini in this spot for people to catch. And so that was my first little drawings. And I think people enjoyed that sometimes. Eventually, my daughter had a Pokemon screensaver for her phone, so I wanted a Murkrow one, and so I ended up drawing it myself. I think the tools that I had was a simple paint program made my style the way it was, just limited to the tools. To hear the rest of this story, listen to Trainer's Eye number 26, a shiny Murkrow toby featuring Captain Goldfish. Now let's get back to the episode. So what is it like to play Pokemon Go in El Paso? And what's the culture like out there? I actually have found a group of Pokemon guys that they are really fun guys that I do the markets with. And so I see a lot of positivity. I see it as just like the anime community here. They're very positive and fun, very lighthearted. So I feel like I'm a kid again with them. I just love the vibe of feeling like like I'm not old or weird or anything like that. We're just enjoying ourselves and being kids again, really. That's the vibe of it. And when we go to UTEP, it's so nice because the university is huge and beautiful. And so you get to enjoy it. You're walking the grass and you're just realizing like, hey, we're all here. Just really enjoying ourselves. So I love the feeling of it and the vibes. I'm very pleased with the way they run it here in El Paso. And also the group's also pretty supportive of your, of your art too, right? Oh my God, yes. <laughs> that's how I got connected with them. The art has been an amazing, amazing way to connect with so many cool people. Speaking in regards to just your art, because some of your art has actually even become Pokestops in Pokemon Go, particularly the Three Pints mural, the Sun and Moon Nature mural, which is one of the Walmarts, became mm-hmm. Pokestops for people to play Pokemon Go. Yes, so it, I have to blame it on those guys. <laughs> so Malachi and Steven are the guys that run the Pokemon El Paso, and they have been following me. We're just really good friends now at this point. They're the ones that I got a lot of also ideas to complete. 
my goal is to make a loteria set out of this eventually. And so basically I've been running all the ideas through them. And so whenever I'll post a mural, next thing I know, they're sending me links to see it as a Pokestop. And I'm just so happy to have them backing me up the whole way. And it's great to see like how, because it's not, I mean, in a way, it's also exposure for you through Pokemon Go, right? Because I think your name's mentioned in the mural with the description of the Pokestop. Yes. So more people get to get familiar, like, who is this artist who made this amazing mural when they read through it? Yeah, that makes me really happy, really, that that there's such a cool place to look at my, my art. When it came to trying to design the mural, did it give you, like, freedom to, like, draw whatever you wanted or were there certain criteria you had to meet? They actually looked through my portfolio on social media and they found a style they really liked. And I call it my Desert Queen style. So I actually don't post a lot of original art on my social media because I'm scared of it being used by someone else or claimed by someone else as theirs. But anyway, they saw that style and they were like, hey, we want you to make a, a mural with this style. And they specifically mentioned what location had to be on the one, what landscape, what landmark and all of that stuff that the manager specifically of that Walmart wanted. They gave me freedom, but it had to be based on a piece I had already made sort of that style. Okay. And then they just give you instructions like, hey, we want this style. And then if you can draw it this way. And I guess you would go through a lot of uh, approval and rough drafts and stuff like that. Actually, all three times I have had to work with Walmart, all three have been approved immediately. So oh I'm my really gosh. Happy. No more second tries or third tries or whatever? Nope. And I'm really happy too because everything I do, I'm self-taught. Like I said, I started drawing when I was four. So it makes me really happy that I was able to create something so cool right I just had to learn how to make the file larger. So I had to ask a lot of uh, friends that are artists, hey, how do you make this larger? And, you know, how do I send them a high resolution file? Stuff like that. But I was so happy that I was able to create something beautiful on the iPad that became so big. I really am grateful for that. You know, it's interesting that you say that you're self-taught because, you know, to not go through any classes, you're all self-driven. Like you have to continue to improve as an artist, especially if you ever have dreams of making money with it, right? Oh my God, yes. What was it about just the fact of drawing that really made you want to stick with it? During 2020, right, everybody's hiding. Everybody's depressed. We're going through a lot. I realized that the art was so meaningful and so deep. I had already done a lot of portraits for people, but these were the most meaningful portraits I've ever done. It was a lot of people who passed away, like grandparents that didn't get to meet their grandchildren. And I was having to put them together in an image to make their families happy. I realized the deepness of the art, how much it means to someone to be able to capture that moment to see it. So that kind of became my thing now. I try to do a lot of positivity in my images so that people can just, I want to be a light basically and allow people to have fun and enjoy themselves. I actually did a lot of comic cons this year. And if you look through my art, it was a lot of stupid stuff, but just to make people laugh and make them, you know, relax and just enjoy the moment. Yeah, because, you know, life can bring you down a lot, right? People look for like escapes, look for hope. For some people, it's music. Some people, it's art. And I think it's really noble for you to see your art as a tool to be able to put a smile on somebody's face potentially or make their day brighter. Yes, I think I made that determination later in life that I wanted my art to be something to make other people happy. And I don't know, I'm excited that I'm being given all these opportunities to do so. Now, one thing that you uh, started doing is you started doing, you started creating your own Pokemon color books called Gotta Color Them All. Yes. And what's unique about this and part of the reason what I love about your art style 
It's not just Pokemon. Like people may think like, hey, there's these coloring books, just draw the Pokemon like it is. You actually infuse a lot of inspiration, I guess, from El Paso included in the coloring books, right? Yes. <laughs> Let me tell you how it all started. So I was teaching at Bowie and there's this big, red, huge statue. It's an X across the border in Juarez. And I remember asking a lot of my students like, hey, what does it mean? And they would all tell me these horribly negative stories about it. Like, oh, I think it represents all the women that have gotten kidnapped over there or killed. Or And I was like, what? And it just threw me off. So I started seeing it as a very negative symbol. By the way, I totally found out later that it has nothing to do with that. It's actually like a letter or symbol that's in the Aztec calendar. And apparently there's quite a few of those statues throughout Mexico. But anyway, I didn't know that. So I went home and I had talked to my little brother about this at the time he was like 11 or 12. And he even said like, hey, that X looks like there's a chunk missing on the corner, like if somebody bit it. And I was like, you're right. So I went home and to try to change my mind about this X, I painted Snorlax chewing on it. And then they always have the fair, La Feria over there in Juarez. So I put the Ferris wheel and I started throwing in some characters. When, whenever I'm painting, my computer is playing something. So I played all the Pokemon episodes of the very first uh, season. And oh my God, I couldn't stop after that. I got addicted. I was like, okay, next let's do the star, but let's do uh, Pikachu lighting up the star. But we have a lot of lights in El Paso. It's called the Sun City. So we have a lot of lights throughout the freeway. And so I started placing all the lights around him and just pretending like he lit it up. And then I was like, okay, what's next? So when you cross the freeway, there is a cemetery. It's like our oldest cemetery here, Concordia. I immediately thought of Cubone, but here we celebrate Dia de los Muertos a lot. So I made Cubone as Dia de los Muertos style outside of the Concordia gate. And then I started throwing in the ghost Pokemons coming out and I couldn't stop. And so I decided to make 10 total at the beginning. And it blew up. People were really enjoying what they saw. Well, after that, somebody saw a Sarko. A Sarko used to be like an oil field, I guess, over here. It was like a tower. And they removed it. People were really upset because they were like, hey, that was historical. So I put the Asarco in one of the pages. And actually, a lady saw it on my... I love to listen to feedback from my customers. And she saw me, the painting at a market. And she said, hey, you should do a coloring book of these because I could teach my kids, for example, about the different locations in El Paso. And sure enough, <laughs> I did another 10. So I got 20 Pokemon together and I made the first coloring book. So I love doing things in collections. I don't think it was just El Paso. You did. You also did other landmarks nearby, but you kind of brought more life into basic landmarks. People would not even give a second thought. You brought up the cross, right? You said that was the one with the Snorlax eating it. And you were able to get people more curious about it. Yes, it was an X. There is a cross that we have here called Cristo Rey. And it's at the very top of a mountain, Cristo Rey. And it's actually Jesus on the cross. That one, I did use it. And I watched the episodes, the movie again. And I decided to do Mew next yes. to him with the bubble. I remember a religious lady actually did get a little upset. It was so funny because I was educating her like, no, 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 he's a protector, just like Jesus is, you know, so I really put thoughts into it. And I told her like, this is with all my positivity, it, you know, I'm not here to hurt anybody's religion or anything. If you look at it deeply, the kids will know, they'll know like, oh, this Pokemon does this and he does, he saves his life. And so, I, yeah, I love that aspect. And it's because we live so close to New Mexico. So I did New Mexico as well. I did Juarez. I did Las Cruces, Socorro, like a lot of little areas around us. 
And when I started doing Comic Cons all over, I also felt the need to include more places. So I still feel like I need to do more. I really do. I've had a chance to go through your drawings, and there's a couple that stuck out with me. One of them is the UTEP where you have Tarman or Charmeleon on the uh, picket, I think. Mm-hmm. And then there's also the Chico's Tacos, I think, Team Rocket's on the outside looking in, drooling. And you got Ash and his crew just chowing down on some tacos. Yes. But one of my favorites that I saw is the Mimikyu one. And it has all those little designs on its body, right? Mm-hmm. What was the inspiration behind that one? Everybody loved the Cubone so much because of the Dia de los Muertos feeling that I wanted to bring another one like it, similar for the second edition. So he's part of the second edition, the second 20 with its coloring book. So I wanted to highlight the Katrina style of it. And I don't know if you remember seeing my video, but it had glow in the dark paint. It was the only painting that I did with glow-in-the-dark paint. I just thought it would be so cool if you turned off the lights and only he glowed. But you can still see all his designs and then also the candle next to him glowed. So that was a special touch because what I did is I silent auctioned the paintings just to give people opportunities to bid on them and and get them. I really liked his story. And so I just wanted to highlight the Dia de los Muertos again and, and that, you know, style. Will be art. You've been a wonderful guest. I have one last question before we close this taco stand. You've had a lot of experiences so far this past year, and you've come a long way with your art. You have a lot of backing behind you from the El Paso Pokemon Go community, as well as some of the El Paso businesses I didn't get a chance to talk to, like the Boardwalk and some of the community events you participate in. What would you say to them? Always on my Facebook and Instagram say thank you from the bottom of my heart, because without them, I couldn't have done any of this. All the money that I'm able to make counts. And you have no idea when you come and shop with me, I give discounts even if you don't ask because I know what it's like to be tight with money. And I know that art is not a necessity, but I'm so happy when someone comes to me. And so I give you discounts even if you don't ask. And it's all because this community has been able to keep me afloat. Definitely. If they give me a chance to sell there or if they hang a piece on their wall, something always helps me and and I cannot be more appreciative. So thank you. Thank you. And you'll always get a bonus thing with me. (laughs) Thank you for coming on the show. Before you do go, if people want to connect with you, if they want to check out your art, where can they go? By all means, please plug away. Thank you. The easiest way is BlancaEstrada.com. The only famous Estrada I know is Eric Estrada. So you spell yeah. <laughs> And I got to meet him. Yay. It was fun. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. At one of the comic cons. But if you just Google BlancaEstrada.com and at the very bottom are all my social media buttons. So that's the easiest way. My social media on Instagram, the main one is Blue and Mac. And it's B-L-O-O-N as in Nancy, M as in Mary, AC. And it's basically the two characters from Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends. They were my favorite. And when I became a teacher, I changed my social media to that so I wouldn't be found. And so everybody calls me blue, actually. I love it. So that's the easiest way to get a hold of me. Cool beans. And I'll make sure to include links to everything she said in the description of today's episode. Thank you for listening to As the Pokeball Turns. If you want to support the show, consider becoming a Patreon by either clicking the link in the description or going to patreon.com slash as the Pokeball turns. Now, if you aren't able to support the show financially, you can always support the show by sharing it with your Pokemon community because this show wouldn't exist without listeners like you. Now, here's a sneak peek for the next episode of As the Pokeball Turns. So eventually Pokemon Go comes out. Mm -hmm. When did you first start playing that? At my last job at Staples, I played on the clock. (laughs) 
there you go. Oops. But. <laughs> Sorry, Staples. Sorry, Staples. Pokemon over you. But. You're going out of business anyway. Oh, damn. <laughs>